Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. So, we've all heard the saying that beauty is in the eye of the, of the beholder. But I say, beauty is actually in the mind of the beholder. The mind of the beholder. So tonight on, on Sidebar with Cindy, we'll be exploring the psychology of beauty. So I look forward to hearing your comments on this. Um, you can call us on 86 You can SMS us on 36959. On Twitter, you can um, follow us on the hashtag Sidebar Cindy and also the hashtag KFM Talk. So please use the hashtags so I can see all your tweets, read some of them out, and of course retweet them. Um, but before I start taking your calls, I'd like to welcome my guest, and her name is Lungile, um, and she's a... Um, she's a clinical psychologist. Lungile, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Cindy, for having me. So this topic of beauty is a very interesting one. And I'll just start off by, by throwing out a few, a few questions. Lungile de Chiesa is a, is a clinical psychologist. I think the most important question for me is that at what age is our perception of beauty formed? So when, when, when do kids decide that something is, is ugly or something is beautiful? That will be something that we're going to explore. And also, um, who defines what beauty is? You know, who, who decides that this is beautiful, this isn't beautiful. I know research, research has been done. And one of the things that keeps coming up is that symmetry. We find people who are beautiful. The mm-hmm. people that we find beautiful are generally symmetrical. So the left side of their faces and the right side of their faces looks almost exactly the same. And Michelle Pfeiffer is an example that always comes up in terms of, in terms of that. And something else that also comes to mind is, um, you know, just as an individual, you know, you, you're, you're growing up and, and, and your, your, well, your childhood and you're growing up. Did you get positive or negative reinforcement around your looks? And how has that affected your perception of, of beauty and, and, you know, and other people's beauty around you? So lots of interesting things to talk about on Sidebar with Cindy. Call us on 086-00-00959 or SMS us on 36959. So thank you. Welcome to the show, Lungile. And um, yeah, the psychology of beauty. At what age? you know, do kids start appreciating beauty? So there are a lot of different theories around this. Um, One of them being that from when you are a baby baby and I don't know because at that at that age I don't know if you actually are responding to the beautiful face in front of you or you're responding to a human face that is probably laughing or smiling or you know making all those gooey sounds that mm. you respond to. So I don't know if I necessarily buy into that theory. Okay. But I do think that it starts from when a child has um a mind of their own. Mm. So you'll be told that, oh no, Nana, this thing in play, oh no, this one is not. And I think then you start constructing your idea of, of what beautiful is and what not beautiful is mm. based on, on what you have been taught, based on what you see in your immediate environment, because that's where we learn the most. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of us influencing our kids, so you're saying that if I, if I like a certain thing and I keep saying to around my kids, oh, that's, that, that's really beautiful. They'll also find it beautiful. Eventually. Eventually, yes. You'll find that you probably have similar taste mm. to... We do. Yes, yes. And I think it, it stems from, from that the influences that we have. I mean, I was thinking about myself the other day. So my son, Marnie, um, he's seven. So he made a Mother's Day card for me. And I was very happy about two things. I was very happy that he drew me bald, right? So he didn't, he didn't add hair to, 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 to this picture. And he also 
dreamy, very dark brown, which is fantastic because at least he recognizes that his mommy is, 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 is brown because he's very fair because my kids are mixed race. And actually something else that I, that I was happy about, he made me plus size in the picture. So he didn't, you know, he didn't make me, make me thinner. And I know that my kids, I mean, we've, we've spoken about the fact that I'm plus size and then they've asked questions, how come I don't wear trousers? And I'm like, no, cause I don't like them cause I'm a bit on the big side. We've spoken about all of that, but it's so special to see that, you know, he looks at me, I'm his mommy. I'm, I'm almost always bald. He hasn't, he's never seen you here and I'm plus size and he captured that. And I was really happy about that. I wonder if other parents and other mummies would have been offended by that. You know, but me and my kids have spoken about me being plus size, and that's another form of beauty. And not, mm. not everyone appreciates it, but it is another form of beauty. Mm. Mm. I would like to think that other mummies would appreciate that because what I've seen is that with uh, the younger kids now, yeah, when they do when they draw, they now go for the brown colors, and you will see the afros or you will see you know the puffs and things like that. Um, I do think that now we are more conscious. Mm, much, think, much more. Yes. And I think we are now moving, you know, towards teaching our children to to love their hair. So if I think of when I was growing up, my hair was pretty much relaxed all the time. Me too. So what does that tell me? That relaxed hair is prettier than, than my natural hair. It's only now that we're more woke, so to speak, that, you know, we are teaching our children that you need to love yourself the way that you are. Yeah. You're beautiful the way that you are. Well, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Sidebar Cindy on Kai FM 95.9. And I'm in studio with clinical psychologist um, Lungilele Chess, and we're discussing the psychology of beauty. You mentioning relaxed hair. So when I think of, of my growing up, I remember that straight hair and straight noses was an aspirational thing. So I spent a lot of time with the jersey on my head, flicking it and, you know, and saying that when I grow up, I'm going to have long hair. Mm-hmm. And I also had, I had issues around my nose, right? And I was speaking to a friend of mine because I grew up in Harare. So I was, I was chatting to her on WhatsApp earlier on. And she pointed out um, that the influences around us, whether it was television, whether it was magazines, everything was prodding us towards wanting to have long straight hair and pointy noses. And to me, that becomes a racial thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Because then back then, the lighter you are, the prettier. The longer the the hair, the straighter the hair, the prettier. The sharper the nose, the prettier. It leads to one conclusion. Hmm. We find that, you know, white people are prettier. Therefore, we struggle as black women with our noses, with our hair. So that's something that we can also discuss. So you can call us on 086-0000-959, SMS us on 36959 and share your experiences around that. I mean, I remember, um, you know, with the relaxing of the hair, even if it was burning, right? Even if your scalp was burning and you knew that after this, my big kids won't I'm going to have, I'm going to have like, you know, lesions that I have to scrape off with baby oil. Yes. But scrape them off carefully so your hair doesn't come out. Yes. What you wanted was to go home with bone straight hair, yes. like what you saw in the adverts and yes. so on. And, um, and now here we are, you know, mm. everyone's embracing their natural hair and, and we've, we've evolved from that. But that mm. influence was an external influence and, no, that, and that shaped my perception of, of, of beauty. And also I think society's definition of beauty, if you look at billboards, if you look at adverts, that plays a lot into how you perceive what beauty is. Absolutely. Most of us, if, if you, you grew up watching TV, if you think of all the, the figures that you saw on TV, it was probably tall, thin, fairer in complexion. 
you look at you know the famous people who become really famous and really popular it's they fit that description you look at the billboards the adverts you know for lightning creams and things like that when we were mm. growing up anyway it is it all points to what was considered beautiful so society does play a massive role in shaping what our idea of beauty is yeah it is and in terms of the lights the the, the skin lightness i mean that's something that's that's fairly close to my heart because when i worked in soweto i remember walking around the barra taxi rank and um the certain lightness that are banned and you would you were able to find them in the taxi rank being sold by vendors at the side of the road mm. and those those lightness have caused a lot of damage mm. to many women. I mean, when I look at the women that walk around, those chubabas were caused by those lightnings. Mm. So at the beginning, yes, you'd use them and they worked and your skin would become very fair. But after a while, you know, you're in the sun, you're not wearing sunscreen, you'd get pigmentation, you'd get hyperpigmentation and that scarring was for life. Mm. And then you'd end up with, the, you know, with dark cheeks, very fair, far red, a very fair, mm. you know, T-zone, mm. but the rest of it was, was dark. So... You can, you can walk around and you can see who has fallen victim mm. to those skin lightening mm. um, products. Sure. That's quite heartbreaking because it also, for me, it, it, it feels as though some of these things are like directed at women's insecurities. So the fact that you mentioned where you can find them and not in, in a Santon, so to speak, that completely, it puts a, a different demographic, if I, can, if I can refer to it that way. So it makes me wonder, you know, if you're walking around, hopping onto a taxi, what does that say? You know, what insecurities are that are they playing into? And it comes, it comes like what we were saying earlier on about our childhoods and how mm. we were influenced by these external, external, um, um, influ- yeah, influences mm. like the adverts and you know, the people that we saw around us. But yeah, that that's that is my life the jersey on the head I won't ever forget that my mom put it up a lot she used to remind me about that a lot that Cindy when you were younger you just wanted to have a long hair that's up to your shoulders and that's why I did the whole jersey thing um, yeah and, and in terms of you know the, the, the things that we look for so I'm talking about a type so yeah people talk about oh I have a type right the preferences that we have over in partners whether it's the height or the muscular builds, what, what, if, what influences that? In, what do you think influences that? It goes back to you saying that beauty is in the mind of mm-hmm. the beholder. Because I don't, I, I certainly don't know if there's a scientific anything behind, you know, whether you prefer someone taller. Or someone with a beard. Or someone with a beard or, or that. But I do think it, that it becomes a personality thing as well. And I would like to think that you pick a partner based on, I want to say obviously, on the looks, but more so it, it's deeper than just the looks. Can you connect? You know, do your souls speak to one another? Doesn't matter that he's not as tall as your type. Does it matter? That's a good question. Well, some people argue that there must be some form of attraction for there to be a relationship. Yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. I say yes because typically that's that's what we hear about the most. But I have actually recently interacted with people who have said to me, you know, people don't approve of my husband because they never thought that I would marry someone as short as he is. Yes. And it it becomes a question of, okay, so, you know, help me understand then what was your decision decision based on? And she flat out said, yeah, no, you know, typically he's not my type, but I fell in love with him, wow. which got me thinking, 
does it really matter? We are definitely going to come back to that. Let's chat to... Okay, we had Rafilwe from Social Nguve. We'll try and get her back online. Um, but, okay, let's just go back to what you were telling me. So someone articulated mm-hmm. that you married a man that is shorter than you are, Lingine. No, that, that they married a man. Oh, they married a man yes. that is shorter than they are. Yes. And it, this guy isn't their type. Yes. So, you know, people were just like, but this doesn't fit your type. Wow. People are something else. Yes. That's quite a mouthful to say to someone. Okay, so we have Dawn on line nine. Dawn? Hi, hi, Dr. Cindy. Welcome to the um, show. Thank you, thank you. Um, I think just my comment on this is that I think as people, we have to start um, admitting that a lot of this, what we've learned, is, is a socialization based yeah. on where the sources of information came from at that time. Mm. And if you look at, I mean, you look just examples of where, for example, we went to school, right? Um, when I went to a primary school in the township, big bums were okay. And if you didn't have a big bum bonnet, sharper, and the guys were not paying so much attention to you as the girls with the big bums and the big size. So I was a skinny malinky, I was called Pugma Tambo, and all that. And then as soon as I go to high school in an urban area where there's influence with um, white girls and so on, I've a little sharper. Now suddenly big bums are supposedly fat, you know, like you're, you're fat, so you need to be athletic, you need to have a lean bum, it can't be further than a particular place, and suddenly even the black guys are interested in athletic looking women, then you so the ones with the big bums are no longer hot and happening, they're yeah. fat girls and then you with your strap are, are suddenly the hit, you know, so I think we need to admit to the socialization, and that we need to unlearn a lot of these things and sometimes it's not even our own fault, yeah. but you can't blame society when you start making and, and, and proliferating those same decisions. So, for example, we look at magazines that yeah. we used to read about Cosmo, Glamour, whatever the magazines, right? Yes. And you look at the hair section, and I'd always say this to them when I was in the, in the red trade and would need to advertise there. To say, you tell us that, oh, we now have over 50% black readership, so you know, you get a good mix of race. But when you look at the offering, the beauty and hair pages are always telling you how to do a bun, hmm. how to do the craft, how to do whatever. And I'd be like, what about the hairstyles for black women? And somehow, even when there's a woman with braids, if they show you, they'll show you how to make a craft with braids. So assuming that you've got to have a hairstyle that falls to be able to make the trendy hairstyle. Hmm. Now, we are the hit because we, we become naturalistas and we still spend the most money. But for a long time, we didn't know what to do with natural hair. Yeah. I learned very late in my life that my afro must be combed wet, not dry. And not, to wash, it, and not to wash it every day. Because yes, then you strip it of its oils. 100%. But because you read in the magazine that says, oh, don't brush your hair wet because it's going to break. But that's for white people, so mm. that's for Caucasian hair. Yeah. Our hair needs to be straightened out while it's wet and so on, and plaited to be straight and all of those things. But we learned them late. But we have to admit to say that there was a particular way we were taught to think, yep. and we are now going to unlearn it, rather than vilifying people who haven't learned that, you know? No, well, thank you so much, John. Oh, John, Dawn. Thank you so much for that call. That was very insightful. Well, yeah, and Dawn put up some, you know, some very valid facts that very, mm-hmm. very, that is how we were, that is how we were socialized. Like, as, I, as mm, I've, shared, I've shared my experiences. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and it brings us to the question yeah, about looks that, you know, do looks really matter in life? 
that say <laughs> <laughs> the answer is a big yes. <laughs> no, okay, let's hear what you have to say. I'm so we've been taught that looks do matter. So you've heard that, you know, it will be the prettier person, the, the good looking person that, that gets that job. It will be the prettier girl in class who it seems as though, you know, she gets favorable treatment from the teachers. I mean, if you think back to, to what a typical nerd looks like, so it's not about what, 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 yeah, what's, what the media keeps on portraying or the movies yes, and so on. Yes. So even though the prettier girl is the favorite one, it doesn't necessarily mean that she's smarter. But there's something behind the looks that then becomes more important than the brains. So, yes, yes. I think some people still think it matters, but should it? I don't think so. Mm. Well, look, the way the, the way society can be very superficial, I think it still does matter. I mean, when I look at my, my own kids, I mean, as I said, my kids are quite fair because they're mixed race. And when I'm walking around with them, the amount of attraction that they attract, and I'm not always sure if it's because I'm darker than they are, and so people are trying to figure out what the relationship is, but there's always comments, there's mm. always a flurry of activity around them. Oh, they're so light in complexion, they're really your kids and so on. And yet, when their father goes out with them, Right, I mean, and he's white. None of that. He gets none of that. Right, he'll sure. come back from the shops and they've had a great time, and no one has stopped to ask them if they're his kids or touch their hair or touch their skin and so on, uh, or commented on on how they look. And um, and it's it's quite a thing because, you know, to, if you're gonna bring up kids that keep getting attention based on how they look, um, they might end up thinking that beauty is a currency. Mm. And I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that you know their mm. beauty is a ticket mm. to 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 anything. Mm. You know, I want mm. them to. To, to value other things apart from the way that they look. Mm, mm. So that's something that, you know, as parents, um, we need to always be thinking about as well, that, you know, what are we, what are we teaching our kids about beauty by the way we speak and by the way we react to beautiful people? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it does begin with us at home, teaching our kids, like you're saying, that beauty is not, is not currency. And if I think about, you know, other things that will inform what we deem as beautiful and whether it should matter or not, if we think about someone who of high status, someone powerful, yeah, it's not necessarily their beauty that makes them powerful. Mm. It's then the other things that we, you know, consider as attractive. So, you know, there's the money element, there's, there's the influence. There's other things. There's well. other things as well. There's a tweet by Carrie, and Carrie says, "Looks do matter, whether we like it or not." As a child, I went to different schools, and with each school, there were standards of standards about beauty. In conclusion, the mind is the mirror of the eye of the beholder, and attitude will determine how your beauty um, is rated. And then Melody says that. Um, looks do looks you know she says she heard us sighing about the question do looks really matter and she's like you know she's she's lolling there but yeah interesting discussion that we're having so yeah why do we treat beautiful people differently um Lungile? i think it comes with prettier is better and we always want to think that you know because you're prettier you're taller than me, you're thinner than me, you know, you, you, there must be something better about you, be it your personality, be it, I don't, I don't know, we just think, I want to look like that, I don't look like that, and therefore I'm going to treat myself less. And we do that mm. without even thinking about it. Mm. And it can have a detrimental effect no, absolutely. Um, on, on your, on your self-esteem. Absolutely. And, and your psyche. Absolutely. 
I'm sure we've all heard of women who, or we all have friends or have heard of someone who their partner cheated on them. And the first question is, with who? When you see the with who, and they happen to be prettier or thinner than you, then it becomes problematic. Because then obviously you are less, right? However, we find that if the person they cheated with doesn't meet your idea of beauty, it becomes a but how? And that hurts. And that hurts. So either way, it becomes problematic and it becomes tied to the other person's looks and not necessarily your partner's behavior. That reminds me of something that um, I've, I think I've mentioned this before and I'll mention, mention it again. So if you're just tuned in, you're listening to Sidebar Cindy and I'm chatting to clinical psychologist Lungile Lichisa and we're speaking about the psychology of beauty. So when people meet me, and then, you know, then they ask me about my surname or they've seen my name somewhere. Oh, okay, you're from sale. Are you married to a colored man or are you married to a white man? Then, of course, I explain I'm married to a white man. And one of the things that gets said is how. And I, I always try to, to, to get the thing out of you because mm-hmm. I want to and you know because that 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 phrase itself like how did you get a white mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. is very loaded mm-hmm. and I'm always trying to extract from the person what exactly they mean right so there was one guy that I met on the rear via bus and he had seen me on a tv show and he said the same thing so I said to him okay papa thank you very much you know for saying what you said thank you nice meeting you so why are you surprised that I'm married to a white man and he just he just went straight to you know straight to it and he said well you're fat Hmm. And just shorts, and you don't have hair. And as far as he knows, he's in his fifties, by the mm. way. As far as he knows, white men don't go for my type. They generally go for the tall, slender ones that look like Naomi Campbell. Mm. And I said to him, oh, "Okay, so you're surprised because that's how I look." And so they, it's not even about love or you know anything else. And he goes, "I yeah, I'm just I'm just commenting. I just thought I should say that you don't look like the type of person that would be married to a white guy." Now imagine what that does to your self-esteem. If you're someone who's not secure within mm. yourself, that is enough to break you. Mm. Mm. Okay. So we have a call on line 10. Busi Siu is calling us all the way from Cape Town. Um, good evening, Busi. Hi. Hi. Thank you for calling. Hi, Lungile. Hi, Busi. So I have a question for you. Yes. I, I, I want to know what, what is your take in terms of the psychological aspect of black Africans like ourselves that have melanin that are dark according to how we were born, going undergoing procedures such as skin bleaching because we want to become lighter or perhaps look fair or mm-hmm. other terms that, you know, that people use. What's your take on that? Is that something that one needs to be worried about? Like, for example, if you have a family member mm-hmm. who, who wants to undergo such a procedure, should you be concerned maybe as a parent is there a psychology behind it? What, what's your take on that? So more often than not, you'll find that such procedures actually speak more to um, internal insecurities. So my question would be, once you've gone and bleached your skin, are you more satisfied? What is it that you're trying to fix? So yes, I think we should be concerned and try and, and get to the bottom of that need. What What is it that, you know, is your life going to become better after you've bleached your skin? What are we trying to achieve by doing that? 
Mm. So mm. It, it ties mm. it ties more to internally what what is going on for the person and not so much. I think lighter is prettier. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I hear you. And if you if you have Thank a family, it's a pleasure. And, and Busi, if you have a family member like that, how would you approach the topic without necessarily offending them? I think I would have a problem with not offending the family member because I'm very outspoken, and I call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to be honest with you, I would struggle. And if that was perhaps a sister of mine or a daughter of mine. I would rather seek professional help from people like Lumile Lechesa because I know that as a parent, I will be harsh and take offense and start throwing certain accusations and say, but you were born like that. I'm black, I'm dark, so what is your problem? Are we not good enough? Do we look as if we are not normal to you? Mm. And maybe such words will harm a child at the end of the day. Definitely. So in order to avoid saying the wrong things and, and totally you know, missing the point, then I would rather seek professional help, to be honest with you. And also, okay, so another the other side of the coin is, what if the person just wants to be fair and there's there's no real reason behind it? They just want to bleach their skin. There's that option, right? I, I don't believe that there is that option. Okay. I, I honestly don't. Was their skin bleaching however 100 years ago? I don't know the history behind skin bleaching. But I think that with time... As we go, as as time goes, we are becoming less and less okay with being black. I think black was okay a hundred years ago, you know. But now these days, our children don't want to speak Sesotho or Kosa or Zulu. Now they want to speak English. Our children want to become lighter skin. But when I was young, fine, I am so young, I'm 81. But when I was younger, I was okay with the color of my skin. This yellow bone and becoming fair, this desire, I feel, is a new thing. And I think we need to start questioning what is happening now that was not happening however many years ago. Why are we not okay anymore in our own roots when people used to be proud of their not of their, of their, of their, um, the hair that wakes up and your afro is flat, it looks like a plate. And that's me, and I embrace that, and I love that. But why is it not acceptable anymore? I think we need to start investigating and, and get to the bottom of it because something is happening and times are changing and not necessarily for the better. Okay. That's my own personal opinion. Okay, well, thank you so much for that, Busi. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Okay, so Busi said a lot. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that the skin lightening issue is a new thing. I think it's something that's always been around. We just have more information around it now with mm-hmm. social media and so on. Um, the issue of blackness and us moving away from our blackness, your thoughts on, on that comment of hers? Again, I would say yes and no. Because if we think about... You you have the, the black diamonds, as you know they're called, where there's still a drive to become... With the more money we get, the whiter we become. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that school of thought where you know their kids will will not speak their mother tongues because that's just not cool. Where, you know, mom will still be in the in the wigs and the weaves. Not to say there's anything wrong with I mean, I like my, my wigs and weaves, but you do get those people who you will never see them without. What are we teaching our children there? Then there's the other school of thought where we are becoming more aware. We're becoming more conscious. We are starting to embrace our natural selves. I think 
there's still a divide. I think there is still a divide. And I, I, I don't know if it still, it speaks to white is prettier and also being previously disadvantaged, money gets you closer to white. And also the history of, of, of the country. I mean, yeah. white was perceived to be better and yes. the whiter you were, the more privileges were afforded to you. So we can't forget that. I mean, yes. that's something that's, that I, I guess in Sub-Saharan Africa is going to take a very long time to, to, to be done away with. And it's, an, it's a process of unlearning. And we also need to consider the schools that we send our children to. It's predominantly white schools. And by so doing, we're exposing them yes. to certain behaviors. Absolutely. If, if I think of, for example, ballet, when now my child is being told that her hair needs to be in a bun, how am I going to get her afro into a bun? What message is being sent to her? One of the things I'm looking into doing, because I love ballet and I, and I do ballet, is bringing um, flesh-toned tights into the country. Yeah. Because, you know... I saw a video of a Chicago-based um, ballet school where um, it's, 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 it's all dancers of color. And each dancer has tights and ballet shoes dyed to match her skin tone. And here, everyone wears, you know, pink tights, pink yeah. shoes, which don't look like us. Yes. So it's something I'm working on. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to open a ballet school, not necessarily teach myself because I don't have that capacity, <laughs> but, you know, have a ballet school where young black kids or kids of color can come there with their afros, cornrows, pom-poms, whatever you want, and just dance, you know, dance away. Yeah. It's something that we have to look into. I think so, because the schools are still leaning more towards um, the white cultures. So that's also problematic, because then it teaches our kids from a very young age that what they have is not acceptable. And we have to work on that. And we have to work on that. The other thing I came across when I was doing my reading was the beauty ecosystem. Okay, so it seems that there are two, there are two aspects of beauty that the beauty industry is looking into and, and, and focusing on. So before it was primarily looking beautiful, foundational beauty, the basics, the skin and the hair. And then they you know, branched out into enhancement beauty. So accessories, style, and so on. So that, that is under looking beautiful. But they've now added feeding beautiful. Mm -hmm. So feeding beautiful is something that's coming coming up so wellness eating sleeping exercising um you know using sunscreen and emotional beauty absolutely is something else the, so yes. the, the confidence the charisma the kindness and the intelligence so brands are being forced to go beyond the superficial mm. and also to start looking at at beauty from inside and and you know and then building their products around that mm, mm. so have you noticed a change in the products that you use or you know just around you in the beauty space what I have noticed is that people are now becoming more attracted to a person's personality and not necessarily their looks. And I think it speaks to, to what you've just mentioned. Because if I'm healthier, if I'm kinder, if I'm more confident, if I feel good and I look well, if I feel good, I'm more likely to look good. Mm. So I think it speaks to, to the confidence that, you know, we each carry. If you think about it, you have gorgeous people who we would consider or society would consider absolutely gorgeous and they are incredibly insecure what is that about well absolutely gorgeous and incredibly horrible absolutely and that make that automatically makes them unattractive and that's why i say that beauty is in the mind of the people they hold it because yes. if you like a person 
they automatically become beautiful to you. I mean, I'm very biased in that regard. I know myself. If I like you, there's nothing you can do wrong in my eyes. But the moment I stop liking you, I'm done. Like, cut off, you know? So that's why I insist that beauty is in the mind of beholder. Your perceptions about that person influence influence everything. Mm. Well, if you've just tuned in, I'm still in studio with Lesejo... Lechesa, a, clin- a clinical psychologist, and we are discussing the psychology of beauty on Sidebar Cindy. So, you know, is beauty really only skin deep, Lesejo? Lungile. Oh, Lungile. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of a friend of mine. Sorry about that. Lungile. No is beauty really only skin deep? Uh, no, I, I'd like to think that it goes deeper. And I mean, it goes back to what we were just talking about, where you could find, you could meet someone who's absolutely gorgeous. You get to know them and you're like, nope, I don't like who this person is. So it does go beyond the skin. And in terms of, 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 and I think this is where we all growing up. And when I was younger, I didn't think like this. I, Mm. I, I had crushes on cute guys, but as I've grown older, I've realized that it is really skin deep and, you know, you need to be able to look at a person and see beyond their looks. Mm. You know, when I, when I look at the guys that I had relationships with in the past, I mean, the two guys that broke my heart, the thing that attracted me to them initially was the way that they looked. Mm-hmm. And if I had taken time to maybe get to know them first, you know, friends first and figure out if we're compatible or not, I might have made different choices. I'm not going to say better choices because mm-hmm. what happened has happened. I can't, I can't change that. But I would have made different choices. And I think age also, you know, age also plays a role in the amount of, you know, how the premium we place on a, a, the person that you're potentially going to date looking a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the older you get, the less fussy you become because other things become more important. Absolutely. And the wiser you become. But you have to go through, you know, you have to kiss a few frogs yes. to learn the hard way. And this is something that I think as, as parents and future parents, we should actually teach our kids that it doesn't really matter what a person looks like. It's easy to say because I'm 43 and when I was 23, I did not think this way. But I'd want my kids to learn that lesson now, that when you meet a person, rather focus on their inner qualities instead of what's on the outside. And yes, the outside is attractive. You know, look, cute guys are cute. We all like cute guys. But the inside is what really matters the most. And I'm hoping that I can instill that value into my kids early on. I want to add on to that and yes it's important to teach our children that but I think even more to teach them that they need to be kind beautiful people and when I say beautiful I'm not talking um, physical appearance I'm talking have a beautiful soul have a beautiful heart because I think when you come from a beautiful place then you can appreciate someone else's beauty past their looks and also just being a nice person. Yes. It, 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 it radiates. It shines out of you. Absolutely. You know, I think some of the most beautiful people I've met um, have got very good hearts. Just, they're just good people generally. Mm-hmm. And that really, mm-hmm. it's like, it shines, it like comes out of their pores. You know, wherever they are, there's this aura of happiness and, and you know, you just want to be around them all the yes. time. We'll take a call. We have line two, Ukanisa calling us from Johannesburg South. Good evening, Kanisa. Hi, Cindy. How are you today? Good, thank you. Um, also, good evening to your guest in studio. Hi. Hi, Kangisa. How are you? Um, just a quick one. I'm actually just driving from work and I'm thinking about, well, listening to the topic, um, I kind of caught it mid-conversation. However, there's something very important that I actually just wanted to share regarding the psychology of beauty, that it's not only just like a black person thing. I think in general, the psychology of beauty is just a woman thing. 
Um, just taking it even just in the European concept in the sense that for a long time in the 80s, well, dating a little bit back, um, as far as I could remember, there was a lot of, you know, um, comparison between dark-haired women and blondes with, you know, blue-eyed, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, we saw the craze in America with the Kardashians, for instance, and that became like a whole trend with women being more darker toned, so to say, in a Caucasian sense. You know, so I think necessarily our society as women, we put a lot of pressure psychologically on the appearance and what is socially acceptable, apart from just being black and white, you know, mm-hmm. I think, or fair or dark. Um, it just has to do with a whole concept of just a woman um, pressure or societal pressure to look a certain way, to be mm-hmm. acceptable, to be in a certain standard that would appeal to a certain type of market. Mm. I mean, with Vogue, etc., and and integration of Vogue and black people and on the covers, etc. I mean, recently with the Beyonce one, you know, there's there's a lot of change and shift in the mindset of people. And how and it's taken a, it's, and it's taken a very long time. It's taken a very long yes. time for us to get here. You know, centuries of it. And I think um, thinking about myself, I've got a young daughter. She's eleven. Yes. And every time we talk about the hair issue. She doesn't go to weave the wigs because I don't do that type of vibe. Not because I can't, because for my job, practically, it doesn't work. Okay. However, um, she she prefers to just have her hair braided because she just does not like combing, you know. And then there's a whole concept of why do you wear wigs or why do other women wear weaves and straight hair? And there's a whole conversation around that, you know. So I think... Slowly but surely, we're in a space where, as women, we're trying to change and shift the perception of what beauty actually is. Mm. Um, I think Ulungile, she also pointed to the fact that beauty is skin deep. As much as, as what she also said earlier, is that as much as you know a person, as you grow to know a person, and their personality and their character, the physical stuff kind of, you know, fades away and you see their actual true beauty. And that's what we should be installing and instilling in our kids and our future generations so forth. Yeah. No, thank you so much yeah. for that, Kanisa. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy, for the beautiful topic. Thank, thank you so you. much. Bye. Yes. We have Sam calling us from West Dean. Good evening, Sam, and thanks for calling. Sam? Okay, so we've lost Sam. So there's a tweet here um, um, by all legendary massman, and he says, let's stop lying to ourselves. Looks do matter. However, one can um, look past looks if they genuinely love each other. And then do they really matter? <laughs> they do according, according to him they do But you can, you can jump yeah. over that You know it's, it's a little hurdle You can get over eventually um, But yeah No I, I, Yeah No I've, I've 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 been through a lot And I, and I mm. think that The superficiality of, of loving people Because of their beauty Is just It's just Yeah When I look at the guys That I used to crush on Earlier on It really Honestly It was all about their looks You know You'd, you'd crush on a person You haven't even spoken to him You don't even know If he snores at night mm. Or you know He's got googly eyes. It's, it's just, he, you like him because of the way that he looks. And it's just so shallow. It is. And it's also honest. so dangerous. Mm. It is so dangerous because then you can find yourself now stuck with this gorgeous person who treats you terribly simply because you think, oh gosh, they look good. Am I going to find someone who looks this good who will like me or love me? Yeah. Yeah. So going back to Busisio, Busisio mentioned something that um, is still on my mind about if people choose to bleach their skin, um, is it because they're trying to aspire to, 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 to whiteness? And you, you know, I think for the sake of balance, 
there are some people who will have some work done on their bodies just because that is what they want. Mm. Um, I, I, I really don't think that every single person that has work done, be it skin bleaching or, or um, you know, cosmetic surgery in terms of liposuction or fixing your boobs or whatever it is, fixing your nose, is trying to be, you know, something mm. else. Mm. It's not with every person. Mm. So, for example, um, I shared this with you earlier. Growing up, I did not like my nose. And for the longest time, I would I refused to take profile pictures mm-hmm. because I did not like my nose. And Lungile has a straight nose. So she has a very sharp nose that starts from the yeah. bridge and it goes... It's uh, been described as a white nose, mm. a Roman nose. And I didn't like that. Till this day... I'm not sure, I can't tell you why. Mm. I I can't even remember how this whole thing of my nose started, but I just knew that I didn't like my nose. But having said that, I've never felt strongly enough to actually go and and change my nose. So you do find that, you know, if I had, okay, cool, it's because I don't like my nose. But there are people who will undergo certain procedures because they're trying to fix a certain brokenness inside of them. And I think maybe that's where it becomes problematic. True. Yeah. So we have Sam back on line 10 from Westin. Sam, good evening. Good evening. Please, thank you for calling. Yes. Yes. Um, but when I caught your topic, we were talking about hair. About? About hair. About hair. Yes. Hair. Yes. Um, I know, for instance, I'll mention number one that Brahu got into trouble with ladies here. It's something about this unnatural hair. Mm-hmm. But my 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 tip is with uh, commercials, the adverts that you see on TV. Yes. Uh, where you know you you will hardly hardly see a woman or a a lady with natural hair in these adverts. But what has pissed me off totally is to see now that even kids are supposed to have a certain type of extended hair or it must be just such a big, big, uh, your, you know, unusual hair that they have to put up with in order to be in these commercials. And I also know as an artist or as an actor that the, the people who make final decisions about who gets into these commercials are mostly white girls. And it, it makes me wonder, why, why do they choose um, women with long hair, you know, made up hair? Is it because they think those look more like them? I, I'm just bringing this up because... As I say, what pisses me off is how even kids are expected to have long hair. That's true. No? And, and thank mm. you for bringing that up, Ntatisan, because it's something that I think there's a lot of work that must still be done in our country regarding that. Where It's true. Adverts will primarily mm. show people's straight hair, um, people that don't look like the everyday South African woman or man. Mm. And it's something that we need to change as a Bantu Bamnyama. We need to get in there and make those changes. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I wonder, you know, to what extent that Dr. Sam's point speaks to what Obusisiba was saying, that fundamentally as black people, we still ascribe to the idea of white as, as prettier, as more attractive. Mm. 
Okay, well, thank so you. So we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Amlungile Lechesa. Where can we find you? I know you're an Instagram girl. So where can we find you so we can interact more with you and, and, and you know, and get to get to see you if we need to see you where do we find you um, on social media i am on instagram my handle is lugile.lechesa.psych uh, yes currently i'm just on instagram okay and where do you consult from uh in brideston you can get me on you can send me an email mm-hmm. info at lungilelechesa.co.za or you can call me on 074 847 Double three five three. Okay, great stuff. So we'll yes. be sharing your details. I'll be sharing those details on a tweet of mine after the show. But thank you so much. We'll Thank definitely you, Sandy. Back. I enjoyed chatting with thank you. you. Thank I like you. So you. I like your spirit. You're very calm, very cool, calm, and collected. Thank you. Thank oh, you for having I, me. I practice being like this, by the way. I'm a, I'm an energizer <laughs> bunny. I I sit in front of the mirror and I practice being like you. Just be you. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but thank you so much for being here. Thank and you for having me. We'll have you again soon. Thank you. And that was Sidebar Cindy um, on KFM 95.9. I think my whole take on, on beauty, being in the eye of um, the beholder versus being in the mind of the beholder, a lot of it is actually in the mind. And, you know, what I want to say is that be you, be happy, and just, yeah, just do you. Some of us have learned it the hard way. I mean, as I said, I grew up wanting to have long hair, wanting to have a straighter nose, but I've grown up, I've accepted the way that I look, I've accepted who I am as a person, and I'm really living my best life. I think being plus size um, has been challenging. I grew up in a thin country like Harare uh, in Zimbabwe, and um, that was tough. But my mom made sure that she instills a, a strong dose of self, self-esteem by always telling me how beautiful I was. And she did this on a daily basis, you know, up until she passed away. My mom always told me how beautiful I was. And I, when I look back, I'm so grateful for that because she was preparing me for, for what was to come. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. On Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.